0: CD 10 Jackram marched off, his inflated chest as red as a robin's and twice as threatening. He shouted at orderlies, harried guards, saluted officers and, despite everything, hammered the blade of purpose out of the red-hot steel of panic. He was a sergeant major in a room full of confused Ruperts and he was happier than a terrier in a barrel of rats. Stopping a battle is much harder than starting it "'Starting it only requires you to shout, "'Attack!' "'But when you want to stop it, everyone's busy.' "'Polly could feel the news spreading. "'They're girls!' "'The orderlies, scuttling in and out once more, "'kept staring at them, "'as if they were some kind of strange insects. "'I wonder how many Jackram missed,' Polly thought. "'I wonder.' "'Bits of uniform turned up. "'Jade found some pants that fitted "'by locating a clerk who was Polly's height, "'lifting him up and pulling them off him. "'A jacket was acquired.' Lofty even stole a shako of the right size and polished the badge with her sleeve until it gleamed. Polly was just doing up the belt when she spotted a figure on the far side of the room. She'd completely forgotten about him. She pulled the belt tight and thrust the leather through the buckle as she walked and then strode through the crowds of figures. Strappy saw her coming, but it was too late. There was no escape, short of running, and captains didn't run from corporals. "'He stood his ground like a rabbit hypnotised by the approaching vixen "'and raised his hands as she approached. Now end perks! I'm a captain and I had a job to do,' he began. "'And how long do you think you'll hold that rank now, sir?' "'hissed Polly, if I tell the general about our little fight "'and how you sicked the prince onto us "'and how you bullied Wazzer "'and about my hair, you sticky, little, miserable apology for a man. "'Shufty's a better man than you, and she's pregnant.' "'Oh, we knew there were women getting in,' said Strappy. "'We just didn't know how far the rot went.' "'You took my hair because you thought it meant something to me,' hissed Polly. "'Well, you can keep it. "'I'll grow some more and no one is going to stop me, understand?' "'Oh, and one other thing. "'This is how far the rot goes.' "'It was a blow rather than a slap, "'and it knocked him down so hard that he rolled. "'But he was Strappy.' and staggered upright with a finger pointed for vengeance. "'She struck a superior officer!' he screamed. A few heads turned. They looked at Strappy. They looked at Polly. Then they looked back, grinning at what they were doing. "'I should run away again if I was you,' said Polly. She turned on her heel, feeling the heat of his impotent fury. As she was about to rejoin Jade and Maledict, someone touched her arm. She spun round. "'What? Oh!' Sorry, Major Clogston, she said, relaxing. She felt she wouldn't be able to deal with Strappy again, not without committing murder. That would probably get her into trouble even now. I should like to thank you for a most enjoyable day, said the Major. I did my best, but I think we were all outclassed. Thank you, sir, said Polly. This was a pleasure, Corporal Perks, said Clogston. I shall watch your future career with interest and envy. Congratulations. And since— In here, protocol seems to be flapping loose. I will shake you by the hand. They did so. And now we have duties, said Major Clogston, as Jade arrived with a white sheet on a pole. Oh, and, by the way, my name is Christine. But, you know, I really don't think I could get used to wearing a dress again. Maledict and Jade were chosen to see Polly through the castle, a troll because a troll commands respect, and a vampire because a vampire demands it there were groans and cheers as they elbowed their way along the passages, because news had already got around. That was another reason for taking Jade. Trolls could push. "'Okay,' said Jackram, bringing up the rear. "'At the bottom of these steps there's a door, and beyond that door is enemy territory. Put the white flag out first. Important safety tip.' "'Can't you come with us, Sarge? Ha! Me? I dare say there's a few people out there who'd take a potshot at me, white flag or no.' Don't you worry, the word's gone out. What word's that, Sarge? Jackram leaned closer. They ain't gonna shoot a girl, Perks. You told them. Let's just say that news gets around fast, said Jackram. Grab the advantage, and I'll find your brother while you're gone upon my oath. Oh, and one other thing. Look at me, Perks. Polly turned in the crowded, jostling corridor. Jackram's eyes twinkled. I know I can trust you, Perks. "'Make the most of it, lad. Kissin' don't last.' "'Well, that couldn't be plainer,' Polly thought, "'as the armed men by the door beckoned them forward. "'Stick to the walls, OK, ladies, and be quick with that rag.' The heavy door swung open. Half a dozen arrows bounced and pinwheeled along the corridor. Another one tore through the flag. Polly waved it desperately. She heard distant shouting and then cheers. "'Go, go!' said a guard, pushing her forward. She stepped out into the sudden daylight and, to make sure, waved the flag overhead a few more times. There were men in the courtyard and lining the battlements around it. There were bodies, too. A captain, with blood soaking through his jacket, stepped across the fallen and held out his hand. "'You may give that to me, soldier,' he said. "'No, sir. I must deliver it to your commander and wait for his reply, sir.' "'Then you give it to me, soldier, and I will bring you back the reply. You have surrendered after all.' Polly shook her head. "'No.' "'This is a truce. That's not the same thing. "'I have to hand this over personally, and you aren't big enough.' "'A thought hit her. "'I demand to take this to Commander Vimes. "'The captain stared at her, and then looked closer. "'Aren't you one of those?' he began. "'Yes,' sighed Polly. "'And you locked them in chains and threw the key away?' "'Yes,' said Polly, seeing her past life start to flash before her eyes.' "'And they had to hop miles with shackles on and no clothes?' "'Yes.' "'And you're just women?' "'Yes,' said Polly, letting the just go for now. "'The captain leaned closer and spoke while trying not to move his lips. "'Damn good show. Well done. About time some arrogant bastard's here got taken down a hag.' He leaned back. "'Commander Vimes, it is then, follow me, Miss.' Polly felt hundreds of eyes on her as the squad was let into the inner keep. There were one or two wolf whistles, because there were more soldiers in there, including quite a few trolls. Jade bent down, snatched up a rock and hurled it at one of them, hitting him between the eyes. No one move, shouted Maledict, waving his hands urgently as a hundred men raised their weapons. That was a troll version of blowing a kiss. And indeed, the troll who had been hit was waving at Jade a little unsteadily. "'Can we knock it off with the lovey-dovey, please?' said Polly to Jade, as the bows were lowered. "'The soft people are likely to get the wrong idea.' "'It's stopped the whistling, though,' Maledict observed. More people watched them as they climbed flight after flight of stone steps. No one could take this place, Polly could see that. Every flight was seen by another one higher up. Every visitor would be sighted on before she'd even glimpsed a face. A figure stepped out of the shadows as they reached the next floor. It was a young woman, in old-fashioned leather and mail armour, with a breastplate. She had long, very fair hair. For the first time in weeks, Polly felt a twinge of envy. "'Thank you, Captain, I'll take over from here,' she said, and nodded to Polly. "'Good evening, Corporal Perks, if you would follow me, please.' "'She's a woman and a sergeant,' Maledict whispered, as Angua led them down a wide corridor. "'Yes, I know,' said Polly. "'But she gave an order to that captain.' "'Maybe she's apolitical.' "'And she's obviously female.' "'I'm not blind, Mal,' said Polly. "'I'm not deaf either,' said the woman, turning and smiling. "'My name is Angua. "'If you will wait here, I'll have some coffee sent in. "'There's a bit of an argument going on in there at the moment.' "'They were in a sort of ante-room, "'not much more than a widened area of the corridor, "'with a few benches. "'There were big double doors at the far end, "'behind which voices were being raised. "'Angua left.' "'Just like that,' said Maledict. "'What's to stop us taking over the place?' "'All those men with crossbows we passed on the way up,' said Polly. "'Why us?' she thought, looking blankly at the wall. "'Oh, yes, those, yes,' said Maledict. "'Er, uh, Paul?' "'Yes?' "'I'm actually Maladicta." she sat back. "'There, I've told someone.' "'That's nice,' said Jade. "'Oh, good.' said Polly. I'd be going out to give the latrines their afternoon swill about now, she thought. This has got to be better than that, right? I thought I did pretty well, Maledicta went on. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking vampires have a pretty good time of it, whatever sex they are, right? But it's the same everywhere. Velvet dresses, underwired nightgowns, acting crazy all the time, and don't let's even go near the whole bathing in virgin's blood thing. "'You get taken a lot more seriously "'if they think you're male.' "'Right,' said Polly. "'All in all, it's been a long day. "'A bath would be nice.' "'I thought I did pretty well "'right up until the whole coffee thing. "'A necklace of the roast beans, "'that'd be the thing. "'I'll be better prepared another time.' "'Yeah,' said Polly. "'Good idea. "'With real soap.' "'Soap? "'How would soap work?' "'What?' "'Oh, sorry,' said Polly. "'Did you hear anything I said?' said Maledicta, looking pained. "'Oh, that, yes. Thank you for telling me.' "'Is that it?' "'Yes,' said Polly. "'You're you. That's good. I'm me, whoever I am. Tonker's Tonker. It's all just people. "'Look, a week ago the high spot of my day was reading the new graffiti in the men's latrines. "'I think you'll agree that a lot has happened since then.' "'I don't think I'm going to be surprised at anything any more. "'The coffee bean necklace sounds good, by the way.' "'She drummed her feet on the floor impatiently. "'Right now I just wish they'd hurry up in there.' "'They sat and listened, "'and then Polly became aware of a little column of smoke "'coming from behind a bench on the other side of the space. "'She walked over and peered over the back. "'A man was lying there, head on one arm, smoking a cigar. "'He nodded when he saw Polly's face.' "'They're going to be ages yet,' he said. "'Aren't you that sergeant I saw in the old kitchen, "'making faces behind Lord Rustramank Moorpork?' "'I was not making faces, corporal,' said the man sitting up. "'That's how I always look when Lord Rusty's talking. "'And I was a sergeant once, it's true, but look, no stripes.' "'Make the faces once too often,' said Jade. "'The man laughed. "'He hadn't shaved today by the look of it. "'Something like that, yes. "'Come along to my office, it's warmer.' I only came out here because people complain about the smoke. Don't worry about that lot in there, they can wait. I'm only down a passage. They followed him. The door was, indeed, only a few steps away. The man pushed it open, walked across the little room beyond, and sat down in a chair. The table in front of it overflowed with papers. I think we can get enough food up here to see you through the winter, he said, picking up a sheet of paper, apparently at random. "'Grain's a bit short, but we've got a handy surplus of white drumhead cabbage. "'Keeps wonderfully, full of vitamins and minerals. "'But you might want to keep your windows open if you follow me.' "'Don't stare. I know the country's a month away from starvation.' "'But I haven't even shown this letter to anyone,' Polly protested. "'You don't know what we—' "'I don't have to,' said the man. "'This is about food and mouths. "'Good grief, we don't have to fight you. "'Your country is going to fall over anyway.' Your fields are overgrown. Most of your farmers are old men. The bulk of the grub goes to the army. And armies don't do much for agriculture except marginally raise the fertility of the battlefield. The honour, the pride, the glory, none of that matters. This war stops or Borough Gravia dies. Do you understand? Polly remembered the gale-swept fields, the old people salvaging what they could. We're just messengers, she said. I can't negotiate. You know your god's dead, said the man. Nothing left but a voice, according to some of our priests. The last three abominations were against rocks, ears and accordion players. OK, I might be with him on the last one, but rocks? Ha! <laughs> we can advise you if you're going to look for a new one, by the way. Oms, very popular at the moment. Very few abominations, no special clothing and hymns you can sing in the bath. You won't get off with the crocodile god up here with your winters. And the unorthodox potato church is probably a bit too uncomplicated for rare. Uh, Polly started to laugh. Look, sir, I'm just a... What is your name, please? Sam Vimes. Special envoy, which is kind of like an ambassador but without the little gold chocolates. Vimes the butcher, said Maledicta. Oh, yes, I've heard that one, said Vimes, grinning. Your people haven't really mastered the fine art of propaganda, and I'm telling you because... Well, have you heard of Om? They shook their heads. No? Well... In the old Book of Om, there's a story about some city full of wickedness, and Om decided to destroy it with holy fire, this being back in the old smiting days before he'd got religion. But Bishop Horn protested this plan, and Om said he'd spare the city if the bishop could find one good man. Well, the bishop knocked on every door and turned up empty-handed. It turned out, after the place had been reduced to a big puddle of glass, that there were probably plenty of good people there, and... "'being good, they weren't the sort to admit it. "'Death by modesty. Terrible thing. "'And you, ladies, are the only Borogravians I know much about, "'apart from the military, who, frankly, aren't chatty. "'You don't appear to be as insane as your country's foreign policy. "'You're the one piece of international goodwill it has. "'A bunch of young boys outwitting crack cavalrymen, "'kicking the prince in the fork. "'People at home like that. "'And now it turns out you're girls.' "'They'll love that. "'Mr. DeWord is going to have fun with that "'when he finds out, and I'll see he does. "'But we don't have any power. "'We can't negotiate a "'what does Borough Gravia want? "'Not the country. "'I mean the people.' "'Polly opened her mouth to reply "'and then shut it again "'and thought about the answer. "'To be left alone,' she said, "'by everybody. "'For a while, anyway. "'We can change things. "'You'll accept the food?' We are a proud country. What are you proud of? It came swiftly, like a blow, and Polly realised how wars happened. You took that shock that had run through her and let it boil. It may be corrupt, benighted and stupid, but it's ours. Vimes was watching her face. From this desk here, he said, the only thing your country has to be proud of right now is you women. Polly stayed silent. She was still trying to cope with the anger it made it worse to know that he was right. We have our pride, and that's what we're proud of. We're proud of being proud.' "'Very well, then. Will you buy some food?' said Vimes, watching her carefully. "'On credit. I suppose you still have someone in your country who knows about the kind of international affairs that don't involve edged weapons?' "'People would accept that, yes,' said Polly hoarsely. "'Good. I'll send a clax back tonight. And why would you be so generous, Mr. Because I'm from a wonderfully warm-hearted city, Corporal. <laughs> no, no, I can't say that and keep a straight face, said Vimes. Do you want to know the truth? Most people in ankh hadn't even heard of your country until the Clacks went down. There's dozens of little countries around here, selling one another hand-painted clogs or beer made from turnips. Then they knew you as the bloody mad idiots who fight everyone. Now they know you as, well... People who do just what they do. And tomorrow, they'll laugh. And there are other people, people who sit and think about the future every day, who believe it's worth a little to be friends with a country like that. Oh, why? said Maledicta, suspiciously. Because Ankh-Morpork is a friend to all freedom-loving people everywhere, said Vimes. Ha! Gods, it must be the way I tell them. ze J borog he saw their blank expressions. ''Sorry, I've been away from home too long, and frankly, I'd rather be back there.'' ''But why did you say you were a cherry pancake?'' said Polly. ''Didn't I say I'm a citizen to Borogravia?'' ''No. Brogosha is the cherry pancake. Borogvia is the country.'' ''Well, I made the effort at least. Look, we'd rather Prince Heinrich wasn't ruler of two countries.'' That'd make one quite big country, much bigger than the other ones round here. So it'd probably get bigger still. He wants to be like Ankh Moorpork, you see. But what he means is, he wants power and influence. He doesn't want to earn them. He doesn't want to grow into them or learn the hard way how to use them. He just wants them. Oh, that's playing bollydigs, said Maledicta. No, it's just telling the truth. Make peace with him by all means.' Just leave the road and the towers alone. You'll get the food anyway, at whatever price. Mr. DeWord's article will see to that. You sent the coffee, said Polly. Oh, yeah, that was Corporal Buggy Swires, my eye in the sky. He's a gnome. And you set a werewolf on us. Well, set is a bit strong. Angua followed you just to be on the safe side. She's a werewolf, yes. The girl we met, she didn't look like one. "'Well, they don't, usually,' said Vimes. "'Right up until the moment when they do, if you see what I mean. "'And she was following you because I was looking for anything "'that had stopped thousands of people dying, that's why. "'And that's not politics either,' said Vimes. "'He stood up. "'And now, ladies, I have to go and present your document to the Alliance leaders.' "'You came out for a smoke at the right time, didn't you?' "'said Polly, slowly and carefully. "'You knew we were on our way.' and you made sure you'd get to us first. Of course. I can't leave this to a bunch of... Oh, yeah, Ruperts. Where is my brother, Mr. Vimes? said Polly stiffly. You seem very sure I know, said Vimes, not looking her in the face. I'm certain you do, said Polly. Why? Because no one else does. Vimes stubbed out his cigar. Angua was right about you, he said. "'Yeah, I uh, arranged for him to be put in what I like to call protective custody. "'He's fine. Angua will take you to him now, if you like. "'Your brother. Possibility of revenge, blackmail, who knows what. "'I thought he might be safer if I know exactly who holds the keys.' "'The end of the journey,' Polly thought. "'But it wasn't. Not any more. "'She got the distinct impression that the man opposite was reading her thoughts.' "'That's what all this was about, wasn't it?' he said. "'No, sir, it's just how it started,' said Polly. "'Well, it continues like this,' said Vimes. "'This is going to be a busy day. "'Right now I shall take this offer of a truce "'in the room down the passage "'and present it to the very important men,' "'his voice went flat to say those words, "'who are discussing what to do about Borough Gravia. "'You'll get a truce, the food, and probably some other help.' "'How do you know that?' said Polly. They haven't discussed it. Not yet. But, as I told you, I used to be a sergeant. Angua. The door opened. Angua came in. As Vimes had said, you couldn't tell who was a werewolf until you found out. And now I'd better have a shave before I go to see the very important men, said Vimes. People set a lot of store by shaving. Polly felt embarrassed walking down the steps with Sergeant Angua. "'How did you start a conversation? "'So, you're a werewolf, then.' "'Would be sort of idiotic.' "'She was glad that Jade and Maledicta "'had been left in the waiting-room. "'Yes, I am,' said Angua. "'But I didn't say it,' Polly burst out. "'No, but I'm used to situations like this. "'I've learned to recognise the way people don't say things. "'Don't worry. "'You followed us,' said Polly. "'Yes. "'So you must have known we weren't men.' "'Oh, yes,' said Angua. My sense of smell is much better than my eyesight, and I've got sharp eyes. Humans are smelly creatures. For what it's worth, though, I wouldn't have told Mr Vimes if I hadn't heard you talking to one another. Anyone could have heard you. You don't need to be a werewolf for that. Everyone's got secrets they don't want known. Werewolves are a bit like vampires in that way. We're tolerated if we're careful. That we can understand, said Polly. So are we, she thought. Angua stopped by a heavy, studded door. "'He's in here,' she said, "'producing a key and turning it in the lock. "'I'll go back and chat with the others. "'Come and find me when you're ready.' "'Polly stepped inside, heart-pounding, "'and there was Paul. "'And there was a buzzard "'on a perch by the open window. "'And on the wall, "'where Paul was working so intensely "'that his tongue was sticking out "'of the corner of his mouth "'and he hadn't even noticed the door opening, "'was another buzzard, "'flying in the heart of the sunrise.' Right now, Polly could forgive Ankh-Morpork anything. Someone had found Paul a box of coloured chalks. What was a long day began to get longer. She had a kind of power. They all did. People gave them space, watched them. The fighting had stopped, and they were the cause, and no one knew exactly why. There were lighter moments. They might have power, but General Frock gave the orders. And General Frock might give the orders... "'but it was permissible to suppose that it was Sergeant Major Jackram "'who anticipated them. "'And perhaps that was why Shufty asked Polly and Tonka to go with her, "'and they were ushered into a room where a couple of guards stood "'on either side of a sheepish young man called Johnny, "'who had fair hair and blue eyes and a gold earring "'and his pants around his knees "'in case Shufty wanted to check his other distinguishing feature. "'He also had a black eye. this the one?' said Major Clogston who was leaning against the wall, eating an apple. The general has asked me to tell you that there will be a diary of five hundred crowns with the army's compliments. Johnny brightened up slightly when he heard that. Shufty gave him a long and careful look. No, she said at last, turning away. That's not him. Johnny opened his mouth, and Polly snapped, No one asked you to speak private. And such was the nature of the day that he shut up. Oh, dear. "'I'm afraid he's the only candidate,' said Clogston. "'We've got any amount of earrings, heads of fair hair, blue eyes, "'jonnies, and, surprisingly, a fair number of carbuncles. "'But he's the only one with everything. Are you sure?' "'Positive,' said Shufty, still staring at the boy. "'My Johnny must have been killed.' "'Clogston walked over and lowered her voice. "'In that case, sir, uh, the General did say, informally,' a marriage certificate, a ring, "'and a widow's pension could be arranged,' she said. "'Can she do that?' whispered Polly. "'For one of you? Today?' "'You'll be amazed at what can be done,' said Clogston. "'Don't think too badly of her. "'She means well. "'She's a very practical man.' "'No,' said Shufty. "'I... it's... well, no, thank you, but no.' "'Are you sure?' said Polly. "'Positive,' said Shufty, looking defiant.' Since she was not naturally a defying kind of person, it was not quite the look that she thought it was, and ought to have been, having overtones of hemorrhoid sufferer, but the effort was there. Clogston stepped back. "'Well, if you're certain, Private, fair enough, then. Take that man away, Sergeant.' "'Just a moment,' said Shufty. She walked over to the bewildered Johnny, stood in front of him, held out her hand, and said— Before they take you away again, I want my sixpence back, you son of a bitch. Polly held out her hand to Clogston, who shook it and smiled. There had been another little victory of sorts. If the landslide is big enough, even square pebbles will roll. Polly headed back to the rather larger cell that had been made available as the women's barracks, or at least the barracks for the official women. Men, grown men, had fallen over themselves to put cushions in there and bring in wood for the fire. It was all very strange. Polly felt they were being treated as something dangerous and fragile, like, say, a huge and wonderful jar full of poison. She turned the corner into the big courtyard, and there was de word with Mr Sheik. There was no escaping them. They were definitely people looking for someone. The man was dragging out his notebook even as he came toward her, and gave her a look in which reproach was mingled with hope. "'Er, so, you're women, then,' he said. "'Er, yes,' said Polly. That seemed to cover it. "'But you didn't tell me when we met before,' said DeWord, as if there was some dereliction of manners. "'Sorry, but we didn't tell you we were men, either.' DeWord, a man who wrote things down, found a nice new page in his book. "'This,' Is an amazing story,' he said. "'You really fought your way here and got in disguised as washerwomen?' "'Well, we were women, and we did do some washing,' said Polly. "'I suppose it was quite a cunning disguise, really. "'We got in by not being disguised, you could say. "'General Frock and Captain Blouse say they're very proud of you,' word went on, scribbling. "'Oh, he has got promoted then,' said Polly. "'Yes, and Frock said you did wonderfully well for women.' Yes, I suppose we did, said Polly. Yes, very well, for women. The General went on to say, DeWord consulted his notebook, that you are a credit to the women of your country. I wonder if you'd care to comment. He looked innocent, so possibly he didn't understand the raging argument that had just broken out in Polly's head. A credit to the women of your country. We're proud of you. Somehow those words locked you away. "'put you in your place, patted you on the head, "'and dismissed you with a sweetie. "'On the other hand, you had to start somewhere.' "'That's very nice of them,' said Polly, "'but we just want to get the job done and go home. "'That's what soldiers want,' she thought for a moment, "'and then added, and hot sweet tea.' "'To her amazement, he wrote this down, too. "'Just one last question, miss. "'Do you think the world would be a different place "'if more women were soldiers?' de Word asked." He was smiling again, she noted, so this was probably a jokey kind of question. Oh, I think you'd have to ask General Frock that, said Polly, and I'd like to watch her expression if you do. Yes, but what do you think, miss? That's Corporal, please. Sorry, Corporal. And? The pencil was hovering. Around it the world turned. It wrote things down, and then they got everywhere. The pen might not be mightier than the sword but maybe the printing press was heavier than the siege weapon just a few words can change everything well said polly i there was a sudden bustling around the gates at the other end of the courtyard and some cavalry officers arrived they must have been expected because slovenian officers were converging in a great hurry ah i see the prince is back said deward he's probably not going to be happy about the truce they sent some gallopers out to meet him. Can he do anything about it? De DeWord shrugged. He left some very senior officers here. It would be rather shocking if he did. The tall figure had dismounted and was striding toward Polly, or rather, she realised, the big doorway next to her. Frantic clerks and officers trailed after him and were brushed off, but when a white oblong was waved in front of his face by one man, he grabbed it and stopped so quickly that several other officers bumped into him. Um said DeWord. The edition with the cartoon, I expect. Um, the paper was thrown down. Yes, probably that was it, DeWord went on. Heinrich advanced. Now Polly could make out his expression. It was thunderous. Beside her, DeWord turned over to a fresh page in his notebook and cleared his throat. You're going to talk to him, said Polly. In that mood, he'll cut you down. I have to, said DeWord. And, as the prince and his retinue reached the doorway, he took a step forward and said, in a voice that cracked slightly, "'Your Highness, I I wonder if I could have a word?' Heinrich turned to scowl at him and saw Polly. For a moment their gazes locked. The prince's adjutants knew their master. As the man's hand flew to his sword, they closed on him in a mob, completely surrounding him, and there was some frantic whispering, in which some rather louder injections from Heinrich, on the broad theme of, "'What?' could be heard. "'followed by a teccata on, "'The hell, you say?' "'And a riff in the key of, "'What? Seriously?' "'The crowd parted again. "'The prince slowly and carefully brushed some dust off his spotless jacket, "'glanced only briefly at Otto and DeWord, "'and, to Polly's horror, strolled toward her, "'suddenly all shiny smiles, "'and with one white-gloved hand extended. "'Oh, no,' she thought but he's cleverer than Vimes thinks he is, and he can control his temper, and suddenly I'm everyone's mascot. "'For the good of our great countries,' said Heinrich, "'it is suggested that we publicly shake the hand of friendship.' He smiled again, or at least allowed the corners of his mouth to turn up. Because she could think of no other way out, Polly took the huge hand and obediently shook it. "'Oh, very good,' said Otto, grasping his picture-box. I can only take the one, of course, because, unfortunately, I shall have to use flash. Just one moment. Polly was learning that an art form that happens in a fraction of a second nevertheless needs a long time to take place, allowing a smile to freeze into a mad grimace, or, in the worst cases, a death rictus. Otto muttered to himself as he adjusted the equipment. Heinrich and Polly maintained the grip and stared at the picture box. Saw. So, "'muttered the prince out of the corner of his mouth. "'The soldier boy isn't a soldier boy. "'That is your good luck!' "'Polly kept her fixed grin. "'Do you often menace frightened women?' she said. "'Oh, that was nothing. "'You are only a peasant girl after all. "'What do you know of life? "'And you showed spirit!' "'Everyone say cheese. Otto commanded. "'One, two, three. "'Oh, bug!' "'By the time the after-images had died away, "'Otto was back on his feet again.' "'One day I really hope to find "'a filter that works,' he muttered. "'Thank you, everyone, nevertheless.' "'That was for peace and goodwill "'between nations,' said Polly, "'smiling sweetly and letting go "'of the prince's hand. "'She took a step backwards, "'and this, your highness, is for me.' "'Actually, she didn't kick. "'Life was a process of finding out "'how far you could go too far, "'and you could probably go too far "'in finding out how far you could go.' but a mere twitch of a leg was enough, just to see the idiot collapse in the ridiculous knock-kneed protective crouch that is as instinctive to a man as saving half an onion is to a woman. She marched away, singing inside. This was not a fairy-tale castle, and there was no such thing as a fairy-tale ending, but sometimes you could threaten to kick the handsome prince in the ham and eggs. And now there was one other little thing. The sun was setting before Polly found Jackram again, and blood-red light shone through the high windows of the keep's biggest kitchen. He was sitting alone at a long table by the fire in full uniform, and he was eating a thick slab of bread plastered with pork dripping. A mug of beer was not far from his other hand. Jackram looked up as she approached and nodded companionably toward another chair. Around them women ran to and fro. ''Pork dripping with salt and pepper and a mug of beer,'' he said. ''That's the ticket. You can keep your cuisine. Want a slice?'' He waved a hand at one of the kitchen girls who was dancing attendance on him. ''Not right now, serge, ''Sure,'' said Jackram. ''There's an old saying, kissing don't last, cooking do. I hope that it's one you don't have cause to reflect upon.'' Polly sat down. ''Kissing is lasting so far,'' she said. ''Shufti gets sorted out,'' said Jackram. He finished the beer, snapped his fingers at the serving-girl, and pointed to the empty mug. To her own satisfaction, Sarge, said Polly. Fair enough. You can't get fairer. So what next, Perks? Dunno, Sarge. I'll go with what, with Alice and the army and see what happens. Best of luck. Look after them, Perks, because I ain't coming, said Jackram. Sarge? said Polly, shocked. Well, looks like we're going to be short by one war at present, eh? Anyway, this is it the end of the road. I've done my bit. Can't go on now. Shot me quiver with the general, I dare say he will be glad to see the back of me. Besides, old age is creeping on. I killed five poor devils when we attacked today, and afterwards I found myself wondering why. Not good, that. Time to get out before I blunt me own edge. You're sure, Sarge? Yeah. Seems to me the old my country, right or wrong thing, is at its day time to put my feet up and find out what it is we've been fighting for. Sure you won't have any dripping? It's got crunchy bits. That's what I call style in dripping. Polly waved away the proffered slab of grease-smeared bread and sat in silence while Jackram engulfed it. Funny thing, really, she said at last. What's that, Perks? Finding out that it's not about you. You think you're the hero, and it turns out you're really part of someone else's story. Was... "'Alice will be the one they remember. "'We just had to get her here.' "'Jackram said nothing, but, as Polly would have predicted, "'pulled his crumpled bag of chewing tobacco out of his pocket. "'She slipped her hand in her own pocket "'and pulled out a small packet. "'Pockets,' she thought. "'We've got to hang on to pockets. "'A soldier needs pockets. "'Try this, Sarge,' she said. "'Go on, open it.' "'It was a small, soft leather pouch with a drawstring.' Jackram held it up so that it twisted this way and that. "'Well, Perks, upon my oath, I am not a swearing man,' he began. "'No, you're not. I've noticed,' said Polly. "'But that grubby old paper was getting on my nerves. "'Why didn't you ever get a proper pouch made for yourself? "'One of the saddlers here sewed that up for me in half an hour.' "'Well, that's life, isn't it?' said Jackram. "'Every day you think, ye gods, it's about time I had a new bag. "'But then it gets all so busy you end up using the old one. "'Thank you, Perks.' "'Oh, I thought, what can I give the man who has everything?' "'And that was all I could afford,' said Polly. "'But you don't have everything, Sarge.' "'Sarge, you don't, do you?' She sensed him freeze over. The noises of the kitchen went away, beyond a dome of frigid silence. "'You stop right there, Perks,' he said, lowering his voice. "'I just thought you might like to show someone that locket of yours, Sarge,' said Polly cheerfully. "'The one round your neck. "'And don't glare at me, Sarge.' "'Oh, yeah, I could walk away, and I'd never be sure, really sure, "'and maybe you'd never show it to anyone else ever, or tell them the story, "'and one day we'll both be dead, and, well, what a waste, eh?' Jackram glared. "'Upon your oath you are not a dishonest man,' said Polly. "'Good one, Sarge. You tell people every day.' Around them, beyond the dome, the kitchen buzzed with the busyness of women, The men always seemed to be doing things with their hands, holding babies, or pans, or plates, or wool, or a brush, or a needle. Even when they were talking, busyness was happening. "'No one would believe you,' said Jackram at last. "'Who would I want to tell?' said Polly. "'And you're right. No one would believe me. I'd believe you, though.' Jackram stared into his fresh mug of beer, as if trying to see the future in the foam He seemed to reach a decision, pulled the chain out of his noisome undershirt, unfastened the locket, and gently snapped it open. There you go, he said, passing it across. Much good may it do you. There was a miniature painting in each side of the locket, a dark-haired girl and a blonde young man in the uniform of the ins and outs. Good one of you, said Polly. Pull the other one, it has got bells on, said Jackram. No, honestly, said Polly. "'I look at the picture and look at you, "'and I can see that face in her face, "'paler, of course, not so full. "'And who was the boy?' "'William, his name was,' said Jackram. "'Your sweetheart?' "'Yes.' "'And you followed him into the army?' "'Oh, yes, same old story. "'I was a big, strong girl, "'and, well, you can see the picture. "'The artist did his best, "'but I was never an oil painting, "'barely a watercolour, really. "'Where I came from?' What a man looked for in a future wife was someone who could lift a pig under each arm. And a couple of days later, I was lifting a pig under each arm, helping my dad, and one of my clogs came off in the muck, and the old man was yelling at me, and I thought, the hell with this? Willie never yelled. Got hold of some men's clothes? Never you mind, Al. Cut my hair right off, kissed the Duchess, and was a chosen man within three months. What's that? It's what we used to call a corporal, said Jackram. Chosen man, Yeah, I smiled about that too, and I was on my way. The army's a piece of piss compared to running a pig farm and looking after three lazy brothers. How long ago was that, Serge? Couldn't say, really. I swear I don't know how old I am, and that's the truth, said Jackram. Lied about my age so often I ended up believing me. She began, very carefully, to transfer the chewing tobacco into the new bag. And you're a young man, said Polly quietly. Oh, we had great times, great times, said Jackram, stopping for a moment to stare at nothing. He never got promoted on account of his stutter, but I had a good shouty voice in offices like that. But Willie never minded, not even when I made it to sergeant. And then he got killed at Seppel, right next to me. I'm sorry. You don't have to be, you didn't kill him, said Jackram evenly. But I stepped over his body and skewered the bugger that did. Wasn't his fault. Wasn't my fault. We were soldiers. Then a few months later, I had a bit of a surprise, and he was called William too, just like his father. Good job I had a bit of leave, eh? Me gran raised him for me, put him to a trade as an armourer over in Skritz. Good trade, that. No one kills a good armourer. They tell me he looks just like his dad. A captain I met once had bought a bloody good sword off him. Showed it to me, not knowing the history, of course. Damn good sword. It had scroll work on the hilt and everything, very classy. He's married with four kids now, I heard. Got a carriage and pair, servants, big house. Yeah, I see you're paying attention. Buzzer, well, Buzzer and the Duchess said, Yeah, yeah, they talked about scrits and a sword, said Jackram. That's when I knew it wasn't just me watching over you lads. I knew you'd survive. The old girl needed you. So you've got to go there, Sarge, said Polly. Got to? Who says? I've served the old girl the whole of my life, and she's got no call on me now. I, my own man, always have been. "'Are you, Sarge?' said Polly. "'Are you crying, Perks?' "'Well, it's a bit sad, Sarge.' "'Oh, I dare say I sobbed a bit too once in a while,' said Jackram, still tucking the tobacco into the new pouch. "'But when all's said and done, I've had a good life. Saw the cavalry break at the Battle of Slomp. I was part of the thin red line that turned aside the heavy brigade at Sheep's Drift. I saved the imperial flag from four real bastards at Raladan— and I've been to a lot of foreign countries, and met some very interesting people, who I mostly subsequently killed before they could do me over good and proper. Lost a lover, still got a son. There's many a woman who's faced worse, believe me. And you spotted other girls? Ha! (laughs) Became a kind of hobby, really. Most of them were frightened little things running away from God knows what. They got found out soon enough, and there were plenty like Shufti chasing their lad but there were a few who had what I call the twinkle. A bit of fire, maybe. They just needed pointing in the right direction. I gave them a leg up, you might say. A sergeant's a powerful man sometimes. A word here, a nod there, sometimes even doctoring some paperwork, a whisper in the dark. A pair of socks, said Polly. Yeah, that sort of thing, said Jackram, grinning. Always a big concern to them, the whole latrine business. Least of your worries, I used to say. In peace, no one cares. In battle, everyone takes a piss the same way, and damn quickly, too. Oh, I helped them. I was their what's it, their eminence grease. And grease it was, too, sliding them to the top. Jackram's little lads, I called them. And they never suspected. What, suspect jolly Jack Jackram, so full of rum and vinegar? said Jackram, the old evil grin coming back. Jack Jackram, who could stop a bar fight by belching? No, sir. I dare say some of them suspected something, maybe. I dare say they worked out there was something going on somewhere. But I was just the big fat sergeant who knew everyone and everything and drank everything too.' Polly dabbed at her eyes. "'What are you going to do now, then, if you don't go to Scritz?' "'Oh, I've got a bit put by,' said Jackram. "'More than a bit, in point of actual fact. Pillage, plunder, loot, it all adds up, whatever you call it. I didn't piss it all up against a wall like the other lads, right?' "'I expect I can remember most of the bleeding places I buried it. "'Always thought I might open an inn or maybe a knocking shop. "'Oh, a proper high-class place. "'You don't have to look at me like that. "'Nothing like that stinking tent. "'No, I'm talking about one with a chef and chandeliers "'and a lot of red velvet, very exclusive. "'I'd get some nobby lady to front it, "'and I'd be the bouncer and run the bar. "'Here's a tip, lad, for your future career, "'and it's one some of the other little lads learn for themselves. "'Sometimes it'll help if you visits one of them naughty places— Otherwise, the men'll wonder about you. I always used to take a book to read and advise the young lady to get some sleep, cause he does a tough job. Polly let that pass, but she said, "You don't want to go back and see your grandchildren." Wouldn't wish myself on him, lad," said Jackram firmly. "Wouldn't dare. My boy's a well-respected man in the town. What have I got to offer? He'll not want some fat old biddy banging on his back door and gobbing backy juice all over the place and telling him she's his mother." Polly looked at the fire for a moment and felt the idea creep into her mind. "'What about a distinguished-looking sergeant-major, shiny with braid, loaded with medals, arriving at the front door in a grand coach and telling him he's his father?' she said. Jackram stared. "'Tides of war and all that,' Polly went on, mind suddenly racing. "'Young love? Duty calls? Families scattered? Hopeless searching? Decades pass? Fond memories? Then... "'Oh, an overheard conversation in a barrier, that'd work. "'Hope springs, a new search, greasing palms, "'the recollections of old women, at last, an address.' "'What are you saying, Perks?' "'You're a liar, Sarge,' said Polly, leaning forward. "'Best I've ever heard. "'One last lie pays for all. "'Why not? "'You could show him the locket. "'You could tell him about the girl you left behind you.' "'Jackram looked away, but said, "'You're a shining bastard of a thinker, Perks.' And where would I get a grand coach anyway? Oh, Sarge, today there are men in high places who'll give you anything you ask for right now, you know that, especially if it meant they'd see the back of you. You never put the bite on them for anything much. If I was you, Sarge, I'd cash in a few favours while you can. That's the ins and outs, Sarge. Take the cheese while it's there, because kissing don't last. Jackram took a deep, long breath. ''I'll think about it, Perks. Now you push off, all right?'' Polly stood up. ''Think hard, Sarge, eh? Like you said, anyone who's got anyone left is ahead of the game right now. For a grandchildren. I'd be a proud kid if I had a granddad who could spit tobacco juice far enough to hit a fly on the opposite wall. I'm warning you, Perks. It was just a thought, Sarge.'' ''Yeah, right,'' Jackram growled. ''Thanks for getting us through it, Sarge.'' Jackram didn't turn round. "'I'll be going then, Sarge.' "'Perks,' said Jackram, as she reached the door. Polly stepped back into the room. "'Yes, Sarge.' "'I expected better of them, really. I thought they'd be better at it than men. Trouble was, they were better than men at being like men. (laughs) They do say the army can make a man of you, eh? So whatever it is you are going to do next, do it as you, good or bad, do it as you.' too many lies, and there's no truth to go back to. Will do, Sarge. That's an order, Perks. Owen Perks. Yes, Sarge. Thanks, Perks. Polly paused when she got to the door. Jackram had turned her chair to the fire and settled back. Around her, the kitchen worked. Six months passed. The world wasn't perfect, but it was still turning. "'Polly had kept the newspaper articles. "'They weren't accurate, not in the detail, "'because the writer told stories, "'not what was actually happening. "'They were like paintings, "'when you had been there and had seen the real thing. "'But it was true about the march on the castle, "'with Wazza on a white horse in front carrying a flag, "'and it was true about people coming out of their houses "'and joining the march, "'so that what arrived at the gates was not an army "'but a sort of disciplined mob, shouting and cheering.' and it was true that the guards had taken one look at it and had seriously reconsidered their future, and that gates had swung open even before the horse had clattered onto the drawbridge. There was no fighting, no fighting at all. The shoe had dropped. The country had breathed out. Polly didn't think it was true that the painting of the Duchess, alone on its easel in the big empty throne room, had smiled when Wazza walked toward it. Polly had been there and didn't see, but lots of people swore it had, and you might end up wondering what the truth really was, or whether there was the truth. And then again, if there was also the truth, and, of course, the truth. Anyway, it was the stuff of legends, where accuracy is not required as a major ingredient. Anyway, it had worked. And then they went home. A lot of soldiers did, under the fragile truce. The first snows were already falling, And if people had wanted a war, then the winter had given them one. It came with lances of ice and arrows of hunger. It filled the passes with snow. It made the world as distant as the moon. That was when the old dwarf mines had opened up, and pony after pony emerged. It had always been said there were dwarf tunnels everywhere, and not just tunnels. There were secret canals under the mountains, docks, flights of locks that could lift a barge a mile high in busy darkness far below the gales on the mountaintops. They brought, indeed, cabbage and potatoes and roots and apples and barrels of fat, things that kept. And the winter was defeated, and the snowmelt roared down the valleys, and the connect scrawled its random wiggles across the flat silt of the valley. They'd gone home, and Polly wondered if they'd ever really been away. Were we soldiers, she wondered? They'd been cheered on the road to Prince Marmaduke Piotr Albert Hans Josef Bernhard Willemsburg, and had been much better treated than their rank deserved, and even had a special uniform designed for them. But the vision of gummy abins kept arising in her mind. We weren't soldiers, she decided. We were girls in uniform. We were like a lucky charm. We were mascots. We weren't real, we were always a symbol of something. We'd done very well for women and we were temporary. Tonka and Lofty were never going to be dragged back to the school now, and they'd gone their own way. Wazza had joined the General's household, and had a room of her own and quietness, and made herself useful, and was never beaten. She'd written Polly a letter in tiny, spiky handwriting. She seemed happy. A world without beatings was heaven. Jade and her beau had wandered off to do something more interesting, as trolls very sensibly did. Shufty, had been on a timetable of her own. Maledicta had disappeared, and Igorina, at least, had set up by herself in the capital, dealing with women's problems, or at least those women's problems that weren't men. And senior officers had given them medals and watched them go with fixed, faint smiles. Kisses don't last. And now, it wasn't that good things were happening, it was just that bad things had stopped. The old women still grumbled, but they were left to grumble. No one had any directions, no one had a map, no one was quite certain who was in charge. There were arguments and debates on every street corner. It was frightening and exhilarating. Every day was an exploration. Polly had worn a pair of Paul's old pants to clean the floor of the big bar and had got barely a harumph from anyone. Owen, the girls' working school, had burned down, and on the same day two slim masked figures had robbed a bank. Polly had grinned when she heard that, and hoped that Tonka and Lofty would one day find a way to eat chocolates in a great big room where the world was a different place. Shufty, who'd somehow always be Shufty to Polly, even if the rest of the world now called her Betty again, had moved into the Duchess. Her baby was called Jack. Paul doted on it. And now... Someone had been drawing in the gents' privy again. Polly couldn't wash it off, so she contented herself with correcting the anatomy. Then she swooshed the place clean, at least by pub urinal standards, with a couple of buckets, and ticked off the chore, just as she did every morning. When she arrived back in the bar, there were a group of worried men there talking to her father. They looked mildly frightened when she strode in. "'What's happening?' she said. Her father nodded to Gummy Abbans, and everyone stepped back a little. "'What with the spittle and the bad breath? You never wanted a conversation with Gummy to be particularly intimate.' "'The Swede is at it again,' he said. "'They're going to invade because the prince says we belong to him now.' "'It's all down to him being the Duchess's distant cousin,' said Polly's father. "'But I heard it still wasn't settled,' said Polly. "'Anyway, there's still a truce. "'Seems like he's settling it,' said Gummy. The rest of the day passed at an accelerated pace. There were groups of people talking urgently in the streets, and a crowd around the gates to the town hall. Every so often a clerk would come out and nail another communique on the gates. The crowd would close over it like a hand, open again like a flower. Polly elbowed her way to the front, ignoring the mutterings around her and scanned the sheets. Same old stuff. They were recruiting again. The same old words. The same old croakings of long-dead soldiers inviting the living to join them. General Frock might be female, but he was also, as Blouse would have said, a bit of an old woman. Either that, or the heaviness of those epaulets had weighed her down. Kissing don't last. Oh, the Duchess had come alive before them and turned the world upside down for a spell, and maybe they had all decided to be better people, and out of certain oblivion had come a space to breathe. And then, had it really happened? Even Polly sometimes wondered, and she had been there. Was it just a voice in their heads, some kind of, hallucination weren't soldiers in desperate straits famous for seeing visions of gods and angels and somewhere in the course of the long winter the miracle had faded and people had said yep but we've got to be practical all we were given was a chance thought Polly no miracle no rescue no magic just a chance she walked back to the inn her mind buzzing when she got there a package was waiting it was quite long and heavy. It came all the way from skritz on the cart, said Shifty excitedly. She'd been working in the kitchen. It had become, now, her kitchen. I wonder what it can be, she said pointedly. Polly levered the lid off the rough wooden crate and found that it was full of straw with an envelope lying on top of it. She opened it. Inside was an iconograph, It looked expensively done, a stiff family group with curtains and a potted palm in the background to give everything a bit of style. On the left was a middle-aged man looking proud. On the right was a woman of about the same age, looking rather puzzled, but nevertheless pleased because her husband was happy. And here and there, staring at the viewer with variations of smile and squint, and expressions that ran from interest to a sudden recollection that they should have gone to the toilet before posing, were children, ranging from tall and gangly to small and smugly sweet. And, sitting on a chair in the middle, the focus of it all was Sergeant Jackram, shining like the sun. Polly stared and then turned the picture over. On the back was written, in big black letters, S.M. Jackram's last stand, and underneath, Don't need these. She smiled and pulled aside the straw. In the middle of the box, wrapped in cloth, were a couple of cutlasses. "'Is that old Jackram?' said Shufti, picking up the picture. "'Yes, he's found his son,' said Polly, unwinding a blade. Shufty shuddered when she saw it. "'Evil things,' she said. "'Things, anyway,' said Polly. She laid both the cutlasses on the table, and was about to lift the box out of the way when she saw something small in the straw at the bottom. It was oblong, and wrapped in thin leather.' It was a notebook with a cheap binding and musty yellowing pages. What's that? said Shufty. I think it's his address book, said Polly, flicking through the pages. This is it, she thought. It's all here. Generals and Majors and Captains, oh my. There must be hundreds, maybe a thousand. Names, real names, promotions, dates, everything she pulled out a white pasteboard rectangle that had been inserted like a bookmark. It showed a rather florid coat of arms and bore the printed legend William de Word, editor, The Times of Ankh-Morpork. The truth shall make ye frep. Gleam Street, Ankh-Morpork, C-mail, WDW at times.am. Someone had crossed out the P in frep and pencilled in an E above it. "'it was a sudden strange fancy. "'How many ways can you fight a war?' "'Polly wondered. "'We have the clacks now. "'I know a man who writes things down. "'The world turns. "'Plucky little countries seeking self-determination. "'Could be useful to big countries with plans of their own. "'Time to grab the cheese.' "'Polly's expression as she stared at the wall "'would have frightened a number of important people.' they would have been even more concerned about the fact that she spent the next several hours writing things down, because it occurred to Polly that General Frock had not got where she was today by being stupid, and therefore she could profit from following her example. She copied out the entire notebook and sealed it in an old jam jar, which she hid in the roof of the stables. She wrote a few letters, and she got her uniform out of the wardrobe and inspected it critically. The uniforms that had been made for them had a special additional quality that could only be called girly. They had more braid, they were better tailored, and they had a long skirt with a bustle rather than pants. The shakos had plumes too. Her tunic had a sergeant's stripes. It had been a joke. A sergeant of women. The world had been turned upside down after all. They'd been mascots. Good luck charms. And, perhaps... On the march to Prince Marmaduke Piotr Albert Hans-Josef Bernhard Willemsberg, a joke was what everyone needed. But maybe, when the world turns upside down, you can turn a joke upside down too. Thank you, Gummy, even though you didn't know what it was you were teaching me. When they're laughing at you, their guard is down. When their guard is down, you can kick them in the fracas. She examined herself in the mirror. Her hair, now was just long enough to be a nuisance without being long enough to be attractive, so she brushed it and left it at that. She put the uniform on, but with the skirt over her pants, and tried to put aside the nagging feeling that she was dressing up as a woman. There. She looked completely harmless. She looked slightly less harmless with both cutlasses and one of the horse bows on her back, especially if he knew that the inn's dartboards now all had deep holes in the bull's eyes from all the practising. She crept along the hall to the window that overlooked the inn yard. Paul was up a ladder, repainting the sign. Her father was steadying the ladder and calling out instructions in his normal way, which was to call out the instruction just a second or two after you'd already started doing something. And Shufty was watching them, holding Jack. It made a lovely picture. For a moment, she wished she had a locket. The Duchess was smaller than she'd thought, but if you had to protect it by standing in the doorway with a sword, you were too late. Caring for small things had to start with caring for big things, and maybe the world wasn't big enough. The note she left on her dressing table read, "'Shofti, I hope you and Jack are happy here. Paul, you look after her. Dad, I've never taken any wages, but I need a horse. I'll try to have it sent back. I love you all. If I don't come back, burn this letter and look in the roof of the stables.' She dropped out of the window, saddled up a horse in the stables, and let herself out of the back gate. She didn't mount up until she was out of earshot, and then rode down to the river. Spring was pouring through the country. Sap was rising. In the woods a tonne of timber was growing every minute. Everywhere birds were singing. There was a guard on the ferry. He eyed her nervously as she led the horse aboard, and then grinned when he saw what he thought were stripes that didn't really mean much. "'Morning, miss!' "'he said cheerfully. "'Well, time to start.' "'Polly marched in front of the puzzled man. "'Are you trying to be smart?' "'She demanded, inches from his face. "'No, miss. "'That's sergeant, mister,' said Polly. "'Let's try again, shall we? "'I said, are you trying to be smart?' "'No, sergeant.' "'Polly leaned until her nose was an inch from his. "'Why not?' "'The grin faded.' This was not a soldier on the fast-track to promotion. "'Huh?' he managed. "'If you are not trying to be smart, mister, you're happy to be stupid,' shouted Polly. "'And I'm up to here with stupid, understand?' "'Yeah, but—but what, soldier?' "'Yeah, but—well—but nothing, sergeant,' said the soldier. "'That's good,' Polly nodded at the ferryman. "'Time to go,' she suggested, but in the tones of an order.' Couple of people just coming down the road, Sergeant, said one of them, a faster man with an uptake. They waited. They were, in fact, three people. One of them was Maledicta in full female uniform. Polly said nothing until the ferry was out in midstream. The vampire gave her the kind of smile only a vampire can give. It would have been sheepish if sheep had different teeth. Thought I'd try again, she said. We'll find blouse, said Polly. "'He's a major now,' said Maledicta, "'and happy as a flea "'because they've named "'a kind of fingerless glove "'after him, I heard. "'What do we want him for?' "'He knows about the clacks. "'He knows about other ways "'war can be fought, "'with intelligence, for one thing. "'And I know people,' said Polly. "'Ah, do you mean "'the upon my oath "'I am not a lying man, "'but I know people kind of people?' "'Those were the kind of people "'I had in mind, yes.' "'The river slapped "'against the side of the ferry.' "'Good,' said Maledicta. "'I don't know where it's going to lead, though,' said Polly. "'Ah, even better!' At which point Polly decided that she knew enough of the truth to be going on with. The enemy wasn't men, or women, or the old, or even the dead. It was just bleeding, stupid people, who came in all varieties, and no one had the right to be stupid. She looked at the other two passengers who'd sidled aboard. They were country lads in ragged, ill-fitting clothes— "'Keeping away from her and staring intently at the deck. "'But one glance was enough. "'The world turned upside down, and history repeated itself. "'For some reason, that suddenly made her feel very happy. "'Going to join up, lads,' she said cheerily. "'There was some mumbling on the theme of, yes. "'Good. Then stand up straight,' said Polly. "'Let's have a look at you. Chins up. "'Ah, well done. Shame you didn't practise walking in pants, "'and I know you didn't bring an extra pair of socks.' "'They stared, mouths open. "'What are your names?' said Polly. "'Your real names, please. "'Don't look so worried. "'You can tell me the truth. "'And don't try cunning on me "'because I was trained by Mr. Fox.' "'Er, Rosemary,' one of them began. "'I'm Mary,' said the other. "'I heard girls were joining, "'but everyone laughed, "'so I thought I'd better pretend to—' "'Oh, you can join as men if you want,' said Polly. "'The girls looked at one another.' You get better swear words, said Polly, and the pants are useful, but it's your choice. A choice, said Rosemary. Certainly, said Polly. She put a hand on a shoulder of each girl, winked at at Maledicta, and added, You are my little lads, or not, as the case may be, and I will look after you. And the new day was a great big fish. That is the end of The Monstrous Regiment. It was written by Terry Pratchett and read by Stephen Briggs. This has been an ISIS audiobooks presentation. For further details of our extensive catalogue of audiobooks on cassette and CD, please call our free phone number, which is 0800 731 5637.